Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be starting summer preview. And I say starting because I had so many books and I only got through June. So we might have to do a part two, or maybe I will mention other books as they are coming out. Um, but I just feel like there was so much, there was so much that was catching my eye, which is, is good. Yeah. I, mine are definitely front loaded in June and July. So I'm, mm-hmm. I would be kind of a, a late, you know, maybe a midsummer check-in on yeah. summer reading. Um, but it's an exciting problem to have so much good stuff. So what have you been reading since we last spoke? Yeah. So let's see. I finished, um, okay. I finished a couple books and I'm in the, and I, um, I'm sort of in the middle of one. So had we discussed like a house on fire by no. Lauren McBrayer? Okay. So I read that. That is a book about a woman, she's married, she has two kids, lives in Chicago, and she decides she wants to go back to work. She's been staying at home for the last several years. She's trained as an architect. She goes back to work and develops a very, very close relationship with her boss, who's female, the woman who hired her. And this friendship kind of starts to turn into something more. And not giving away too much, because this is what the book is pretty much billed as. Um, So she realized she has romantic feelings for this woman, her boss. And it's just all about like how she handles it. Like, does she sort of explode her world and, you know, pursue this person that she has this great connection with, or does she stay in the lanes that she'd been in before? So it's, I guess you could sort of call it a romance, but I really think it's more kind of contemporary fiction and, it's just a really good story, very well told. I like the way, the way she writes. This is Lauren McBrayer. I like the way she writes. I like the perspective. Um, and it was very engrossing, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. So that is called Like a House on Fire. Um, and then I finally read the second in the um, Kent Haruf Plain Song trilogy. So those are the books set in the fictional town of Holt, Colorado. I read Plain Song a couple years ago, and I loved it. And the next one that comes in the series is called Eventide. And I just did that one on audio and I had been just been nagging at me for years that I just really wanted to like get to the next book. And so I'm very glad I did. Um, Ket Haruf's books are very like simple. They're, they're not, there's like the language is very kind of clear and simple. It's not like fussy adorned language and it's about very ordinary lives in a small town, just an ordinary, unremarkable small town in Colorado. But the way he talks about his characters and, and sort of, there's, there's usually a lot of like sadness and like loneliness, but then there's always hope at the end of his books. And I just, I don't know, they're just very beautiful books. So I finished that. And then I just finished the Jennifer Gray memoir, Out of the Corner. So the actress Jennifer Grey has a memoir that just came out and it's all about her life. She's now in her early sixties, but it's all about her life growing up in New York city, going back and forth from New York to LA. 
getting cast in early movies. And then of course the dirty dancing fame. And um, I just did an audio and I loved it. It was really good. She does read it. Yep. And so I've had Jennifer Gray in my ears for the last two weeks or week and a half, however long it's been, 11 hours of her talking. And I don't know. I just really, I thought it was a great story. She's very honest and, you know, lots of things I didn't know about her and relationships she had and struggles she's had. And, you know, the, the infamous nose job. She explains. She had a couple of high profile relationships too. Johnny Depp and Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. She goes into lots of detail on them. Specific, especially the Matthew Broderick one. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you like celebrity memoirs, if you enjoy the eighties, if you <laughs> like Hollywood, it's just a good memoir. Just, it's a good, interesting story. She's really, she's a good writer and I liked it quite a bit. So um, that is pretty much catching you up on what I've been reading. How about you? I haven't really read anything. It has been such a busy time since we last spoke. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. so much has gone on that I have not really read anything. But I did get just a tiny, a little bit further into the gener- the new Mercy Street. Oh, okay. By Jennifer Haig. Is, think- gra- is it grabbing you at all? Yeah, it's starting to grab me. It's really interesting, of course, now the timing uh, with yes. the decision on Roe for me to start reading this novel, which is like all about this woman who is working at an abortion clinic and it's just like it is in Boston, which seems like it makes it particularly fraught since like over half of the community is um, Catholic. So, yep. um, but I'm really liking like her backstory and curious to see more about her relationship with her drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm just meeting him um, at this point in the book, but. Uh, definitely more of a sense of things. I think the book starts off right when she is like, she's taking calls in the call center and there's a lot going on. And I always feel like when there's a lot going on in books, you know, sometimes I just need that extra push to get me through until I can start to make sense of and identify, you know, things things in the background or things in the story. So I feel like I'm at that point where I have a hook into her life and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and to discussing it. So hopefully I will make a little bit more progress than I have made, but it's just been a crazy couple of weeks. Understandable. Um, I picked up a book that I'm reading right now and uh, it's just, I'm finding it not grabbing me as I had much as I hoped it was. It's called cover story. Have you seen this book around? Mm-mm. What's that about? Um, so it's been billed as, I'm just trying to, I'm looking up the author, um, Susan Rigetti, R-I-G-E-T-T-I. So it's supposed to be kind of thrillery and it's about like um, a girl who goes to work at Elle magazine as an intern and she goes to NYU, but she's like sort of failing out and she has no money and she ends up being kind of taken under the wing of a woman, like a, a writer at Elle named Cat Wolf, who's living in the Plaza Hotel. And there are so many parallels to, um, what's the book about the the Russian woman who scammed her friend? Oh, Rachel Deloche Williams book. Yeah. I my friend Anna. Is my, that friend Anna yeah. my friend Anna. Okay. So I just looked it up and saw it's like the dropout meets catch me if you can meets inventing Anna. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so I thought it was going to be really like 
you know, oh my God, I got it from the library. So like I, I had to read it cause it's, you know, a new release. So it's due soon. <clears throat> so I was like, well, if I'm going to read it, I got to read it now. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's okay. Like I'm not, I'm not flying through it the way I hoped it was. I feel like I, I, I'm kind of, it's taking me a lot longer to get through. And you know, when, what I find is when I'm really stalled, like when I find myself not reading, it's just cause I'm not into the book I'm reading as much as I want it to be. So it's fine. I, I've seen a lot of amazing reviews of it and maybe it's going to have some twists, but as of right now, it feels too close to the Anna story to feel fresh to me. Okay. So. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like a ripped from the headlines type thing. Uh-huh. A ripped from the Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so are we crowning our, our victory today on the March Madness? Um, you know what? I, you know, <laughs> when we got on this call, I was thinking, did we do that? I did not even remember. We didn't crown a winner yet. We're down to the did idea I of you do. versus... The Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano. Okay, so let me um, take a look, and we will have live results because I have not even look, looked at this yet. That's exciting. Um, let me. I can, I'm, I'm going to see if I can do a prediction here. Okay. I predict it was close, and I predict that the winner will be The Idea of You. It was Her. not close. <laughs> it was not close. Okay. And it was the idea of you, right? No, it was the nine lives of Rose <gasps> Napolitano. Oh my God. I was wrong on both fronts. Yes. It wow. was like only 30% of the vote went to the idea of you. Um, the nine lives of Rose Napolitano is the winner by Donna Freitas. Wow. <laughs> For the upset, right? I am surprised. It okay. Like the idea of you was just you know, the story was just so appealing. And so, but I think, and not that the writing was not great in idea of you or whatever, but maybe there's just something a little bit more compelling and a little heavier, a little heavier than yeah. left for yeah. nine lives of Rose Napolitano. Wow. Well, congratulations, nine lives. You <laughs> certainly had nine lives in this one. You lived from you know, oh, round right. around. That's amazing. Okay, great. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I got an email from Donna Freitas after I reviewed her book because we have some mutual friends mm -hmm. and I think they, one of them sent my review to her. <laughs> so maybe I'll send her an email today and, and just Let encourage her, her to, yeah, I encourage her to check in on the podcast. How many books did we start with? Like, did we I think we started with 10? Yeah, I think we started with 20, 10 pairings. Right. And as we've learned that we have to have an even number of pairings for next time, because otherwise we end up with someone needing to have a buy. Um, oh, maybe so we need 11 pairings? Yeah, or any, yeah. Some, we just need an even, a or book that need... will lend to an even number of pairs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, wow, that's great. Okay. Well, thanks you. thanks to everybody who uh, participated and weighed and in. Voted. Yes. Yeah. Every week it's like, oh my gosh, is anyone going to vote? And have, and people came through. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. All right. Well, until next March, we have a we have a reigning victor. We have a winner. We need to yeah. go back and look. How many times have we done this? Three times now. I think so. Okay. Three or four. 
I'm curious to look back at our other winners. Um, yeah, but we'll for a future show we'll consider what what our books have, what books have won. And try to find some common themes. Yeah. All right. Well, it is, we are recording this in the middle of May and it, we are the Ides of May, the Ides of May. (laughs) And we are definitely, you know, heavily into the summer book season. It seems like a lot of big releases and lots of, you know, articles and posts and lists and people talking about summer books. So Nicole and I are going to go through some books for the summer. Um, I I don't want to speak for you. For me, I've not read any of these. So they're all, these are a preview of books that look appealing to me, but I don't, I haven't read them all and I don't even have them all. I'm probably won't read them all. Well, definitely won't read them all, but they're ones that that are on my list. And Nicole and I have not conferred. So we may have some overlap. And for me, I just picked anything. I basically picked anything that was coming out in from May on. Okay. I don't know how you did it, but that was my. No, I think that I had covered quite a few May books earlier. I don't yeah. know if we did like a look ahead at May or what, or if, if it was things I had covered in spring, but I tended to gravitate and didn't get much past June because I was like, I have too many books. Um. So yeah, so just getting through June, I had like 12 I wanted to talk about. And I may not talk about that many. Okay. Uh, all right, well, why don't you kick us off? All right, so the first book that I have is called Nightcrawler by Leela Motley. It's coming out June 7th and it's on Kanaf. So it is about this brother and sister duo, uh, the, um, their parents. It seems like they are pretty much alone in the world because of either like their parents have died or someone's in jail and it's the two of them who are trying to make it. So the brother Marcus, he focuses on having his rap career, but Kiara is just more focused on their day to day, like having money to pay the rent and rent has doubled. So she's really concerned about that. She has a young neighbor next door whose parents do not um, really take care of him. He's nine years old. So her focus is on their survival And it says that she has like a misunderstanding with a stranger and it just introduces her to this new way of living and this new world. And she figures out that she likes being a night crawler. And that was something that I had to look up because I'm like, what in the world is a night crawler? (laughs) And it's someone who likes, well, nightlife or works at night, things like that. So, um, but she's also, this takes place in Oakland and also seems like she is the centerpiece of this scandal in the Oakland police department. So people are looking for her and trying to figure out where she is. So it says that it's, um, a book of our moment. It talks about race and sexuality, justice and equality. And, um, I think that it might have some kind of focus on sex workers. So I think that might be part of the name too. And I think that part of this book was based on a real case involving a police department and some scandal that they had with sex workers. But it seems like Kiara is a witness in that. And I don't know if that happens when she discovers that she likes the nightlife or starts working at night. Like it's, I'm not even clear on what she'll be doing, but it seems like she is the witness to this. And this is an author that Kanaf is really excited about and invested in. Um, I think that they're looking forward to having many books from her. She's 
very young. She's like 19 years old. She writes poetry. They have her poetry book coming out. And I think last year she had written a story about Juneteenth that was featured on Oprah's website. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. Huh. Okay. All right. So, and when is that one coming out? June 7th. June 7th. Okay. That seems to be a big date. It is. Yeah. Right. Okay, so I'm going to start with actually some May books uh, that we haven't talked about. I feel like there's some I, we have, but this one I don't think we have. So this is the third book in the summer-esque uh, trilogy, although they're not, I don't think they're connected at all, by Jennifer Weiner, And it is called The Summer Place. And I liked her last one, which was Big Summer. Um, no, no, there was Big Summer and then... I think I read one in between that. I'm trying to remember what, what that one was called, but this one is called the summer place. And it sounds like really unsurprising material. It's like a wedding on the Cape and it's, you know, a family coming together and it's the la- they're going to sell this house on the Cape, but the sort of the matriarch of the family her her stepdaughter wants to get married there. And According to Amazon, when the wedding day arrives, lovers are revealed as their true selves. Misunderstandings take on a life of their own and secrets come to light. Okay. Like how many times have we read that book, right? (laughs) It's definitely like sort of like comfortable terrain for a summer read, but I do really like Jennifer Weiner, and, um, you know, I, she's, she's a little hit or miss for me. Like that, um, big summer I had some issues with cause it sort of, uh, veered off into what I thought was like more of like a kind of like thriller mystery thing. And it was just seemed kind of silly. I like when she sticks more to family and love and relationships. And this seems like this one kind of goes back to those roots. Um, So I'm sure you'll see this one everywhere. The cover of it looks like it's like the font is similar by to the cover of that summer or big summer. And actually they're all of her books are kind of starting to they're definitely selling them as like now kind of like a brand. I guess it was that summer was the one I really liked that I felt like had a lot more kind of uh, seriousness to it. And Mm -hmm. big summer was the one that veered off. So this one is the summer place and I'll probably read this at some point. That's kind of interesting because I don't think, I mean, when she started out and I'm not particularly clear on this, I don't think that she wrote books. So she was not a one book a year. No, it seemed like it would be two to three years before she would have a new book come out. And it seems like even though they always um, focused on female topics or whatever, they did seem to be like a little bit meatier. Yeah. I'm like looking at these covers now. and (laughs) Yeah. You see what I mean? Like the kind of the block print. Yeah, the block print, the pastel-like colors. Yeah. You know what's annoying, though? Like, <laughs> these the are drawings. these are not, they're drawings, yeah. and the woman is still looking off. Right. Like, <laughs> I get it. I don't know. I get yeah. it when it's, when it's um, like, a per, an actual person. Someone, I was listening to some discussion about book covers, and you and I have always complained about the, like, woman looking off in the distance, and you can't see her face. And I heard somebody say the reason for that is so that, it can be any woman. It can be any woman, right? It it's you. like universal, and that you don't look at that character and fa- feel an otherness. You feel like a connection. You can't. Well, then you can't. You have to have her body part, so she needs to be wearing long sleeves because these are usually white women. Yep. 
looking yep. off into the distance. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm sure I'll read this one. <laughs> but that's my, that's the first time my summer reading list. Well, it includes the word summer. So I think you mm-hmm. have to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. So my next one is by Therese Ann Fowler. It also comes out on June 7th. It's on St. Martin's Press. Like you mentioned before, June 7th is a key date this summer. (laughs) Get everything out there. So this one is called It All Comes Down to This. And I feel like, you know, like you were talking about books being comfortable. I feel like this book has like that summer flavor where it's either a group of friends or it's a family that's like reuniting because of some crisis. So that this is a novel about sisters, the Geller sisters. Um, their mom is widowed and she is also preparing to die. So she has, you know, she's has this main cottage that she is going to be selling. And so that each of the girls will get proceeds. Like she doesn't want very much drama involved in their relationship when she moves on. So of course the sisters are very different. There's the young one who is like living this kind of influencer lifestyle and she's all about the clothes and the celebrities and traveling and art and sex, but really her life is a house of cards and nothing is as it seems. Then there's Beck who's the oldest and she's a freelance journalist who is married, but her marriage is anything less than fulfilling She in particular seems to have a relationship to this cottage. Like it has been her plan to go there to work on a novel and to work on her marriage. And it seems like her husband is like hiding some kind of, there's some kind of secret around his love life, which is like, okay, mysterious. And then there's Claire, who is a pediatric cardiologist, but she has always felt like a misfit of the family, even though she's like really successful and has this great career, she still doesn't feel like she's ever fit in. And she's like struggling with unrequited love that's happening. So like, even though she's a cardiologist, haha, she's a heart doctor, her love life is not that hot. Um, and then there's like this mysterious kind of drifter, southerner con man who comes into their life. And of course, nothing is what it seems. Something happens that changes everything. So it's just kind of like one of those novels where it's like a group of friends or a family who are very different, who are going through some crisis and something happens that just reveals more or um, explores their relationship or something like that. I feel like that's such a summer theme. She wrote A Very Good Neighborhood, right? Yes. Which we both read. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, that sounds good. Yeah, I just feel like it's a perfect um, novel to just kind of, sit, you know, like it's a quintessential beach read. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my next one is also um, a May book. In fact, it comes out this week, May 17th, um, and it is the new Emma Straub, This Time Tomorrow. So I like feel like I'm always vaguely disappointed by Emma Straub books. Like the premise is always great. And it's so squarely in the genre of books that I like that I always feel like I'm going to really love them. And then I'm always kind of like a little bit mad on them. I don't know why. I thought you were, it's just like, oh, Emma Straub, that's a gamble. Yeah. Well, the problem is that the premise is so irresistible that I had to, I had to include it because it's got time travel in it, which as you know, I love. Okay. So this is about a woman who's 40. She's like, living life. It's fine. It's not amazing. She's 
generally pretty happy. Um, but she ends up waking up one morning and finding herself back in 1996, reliving her 16th birthday. Don't you feel like that's something you want to read? I don't know if it was like my 19th, maybe the 16th. I'm not so sure. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Give me a few years to like mature and not be such a dork. Um, Must we go back to high school? Yeah. Right. I would rather go back to college. No, that's definitely true, but maybe that's part of it. So like, um, I don't know. I kind of feel like I got kind of curious to see what she does with, uh, with time travel. So it's not just her adolescent body that shocks her. Um, and, and this is the part that I think I found super like touching, but also may prevent me from wanting to read this right now. But, um, her dad is sick in her real life, starting to be sick. And when she goes back in time, it says that one of the things that she's most shocked about is seeing her dad looking so young and vital and healthy. And then like, you know, having not having the knowledge, I guess, of like what's going on with him in the future. So that's kind of hard. And it says some past events take on new meaning. Is there anything she would change if she could? I think this is intriguing enough for me that I will probably want to read it. Right. That with the parent who's ill in the present and you go back and you see them vibrant in the future. There was this time travel book that I think I read last year. And I, of course I can't remember the name of it right now, um, but it had something, it had like a similar element that this book that I read though was not that great. It was just like, okay. okay. So another book out like right now that also I'm trying to remember which one it is that also has a similar thing. It's like, or somebody, somebody's mother dies and then she goes back in time and like meets her mother as a younger person. I don't know. I think if you're dealing with like any kind of parental illness, which unfortunately I am at the moment, I, I, it seems like it might be a little bit too much. Like, I'm not sure I could handle that right now. Right. I, I don't know. Like modern lovers and all adults here really did not love all adults here. Modern lovers was fine. I liked the vacationers, which I had read quite a few years ago. So I feel like Emma Straub is like I said, a little hit or miss for me. So, um, we'll but uh, yeah, I'll probably read this one though. <laughs> so in terms of some comfort watching for you, are you watching the time traveler's wife? No, um, I watched the preview because I was super curious. Um, oh, it doesn't look like the reviews haven't been that great. Uh, oh, they haven't. Yeah, they're just like it's kind of repetitive. <laughs> like, it's yeah, I'm not so sure book. that should be a series. Like, right. I think it probably was a great movie, and right. I liked the movie. I, I don't know. I watched it and the the trailer, and I kind of was. It's like that's a stressful book. I loved the book, love the book, but like it's stressful and it's sad. And I'm kind of like, is that what I want to read right like, now? Yeah. I do need a show because I finished on Friday night. I'm like six months behind the rest of the world, but I finished Succession season three. Okay. So how, do you watch Succession? I'm even further behind the rest of the world. I think I watched three episodes of season one and it just did not grab me. Oh my God. Go back to it. Yeah. People are just like, you just have to watch the entire first season. And I was like that with Game of Thrones. Like I watched a few series and I was just like, eh. I don't see why, but, but when I did go back and just like watch all of season one, I was into it. So maybe that's what okay. happened with succession. Yeah, I recommend it. So uh, yeah, we're now caught up. So I need a new show. I was kind of thinking about that when you had told me about Anatomy of a Scandal. Did you actually watch that or were you just talking about it? Yes. No, I actually watched that. In fact, she has a new book. Sarah Vaughn has a new book that's coming out July 5th. 
that's also, it's like about this journalist who's involved in a scandal. But I really recommend Anatomy of a Scandal. Has Michelle Dockery from... Right, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. um, And it has a good cast. And how long is it? Like how many episodes? I think it's doable. I think it's like five or six. It's not one of those, it's it's like 12. (laughs) All right. I think I'm going to... May do that one next. I don't know. I have a succession like um, hangover. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sad that succession is done. Did you ever watch Ozarks? Is it the Ozarks? No, because I think it's too violent for me. Okay. I watched the first episode and I think like someone was like shot in the like back of a car or something in a trunk of a car. Is that possible? I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I was just curious to see if you liked it. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard great things. I love Jason Bateman. Love Jason Bateman, but I, I don't think I it looked too violent. Okay. Yeah. Your 80s heart can resist it. I know. Oh, my God. I love him. <laughs> I think you're up. My next book is called The Impossible Things by Selma L. Wardani, W-A-R-D-A-N-Y. Um, also June 7th, because that is when your book should come out this summer. Um, so this, this is one of those, another one of those books. This isn't sisters, but this is friends who have known each other through childhood and they known each other through childhood. They are attending college. They're all Muslim. So they're together in the fact that they are trying to navigate, you know, being, I guess, hiding how they are acting out um, away from their parents. Like it talks about if you're going to have a, um, if you're going to be staying out with a boy, it becomes like, oh, I'm having a sleepover with the girls and just like the different ways that they're trying to navigate their religion in modern life. But they each reach a crossroads in, in their lives. Like, of course, there's something that goes wrong, something that happens to them one night. And I think their friendships are not the same. And so they have to kind of find their way through this and find their way back together. So I thought that was really interesting. I just love the idea of taking these stories that I think are so classic kind of stories to tell over the summer and inserting some kind of diversity in it, like this component of how these Muslim women are navigating college and their lives. And each one has their own, you know, different dreams. One really just wants to have like a family and be a part of the community and, she does want to settle down into her religion. And, you know, like one is involved with some guy that she knows um, is not going to be appropriate for her. And she has to make the decision whether she wants to be involved with a man who's white and Catholic. And even though that will mean sacrificing her family. So Mm -hmm. it's just like all of them just living their lives and trying to explore and reconcile being modern women with, you know, what they want in their religion, what they want from their family, and also just like navigating this, event that changes everything. What what's the title of the book again? The um, these impossible things. I have the book in the house. I oh, think you I do? yeah, I swapped someone for it months ago. Um they you know it's an arc that they had and uh it looked really good, I agree. So I I definitely try to get to that this summer. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, my next one is called The Shore by Katie Rund or Rundy. Not sure how to pronounce her name. And this, um, I don't know, sounds a little bit similar to, it's sort of a combination of the Jennifer Wiener book and the Emma Straub book. Hmm. Um, it's about a family that live in a beach town and they run a real estate company. And then the husband has develops a brain tumor. So we've got the, you know, 
sick parent going on. And it's all about the kind of the reverberations through the family from having this sick parent. So you've got um, a wife and two kids and it's just about what happens um, as they grapple with like, you know, the family changes. It says perfect beach read follows a mother and her two, her two daughters as they grapple with heartbreak, young love and the weight of family secrets. So, you know, they, you've got this summer setting family drama and multiple like people that are keeping secrets from each other. It seems like quintessential beach read. I don't know anything about this author. I just, um, you know, found this book on some lists of books that were coming out and I've just had kind of seen it around and like the swap thing, like the swap posts. Mm -hmm. And I was curious about it. It's got like a, the cover is a, boardwalk with a big ferris wheel at night which has it's such a an ocean it's just such a summery setting right not going too far afield the, the three books i've listed so far are all kind of similar <laughs> yeah i just think that's like it's almost like that's the vibe for summer yep just like sisters and families and secrets and <laughs> there was one part of the jennifer gray book where she's talking about some setting something that happened in the summer and I just was like, even just hearing her describe it, I was like, oh, oh my God, that's that feeling of a summer night. There's just nothing like it. Yep. And it, you know, like, I don't know why things in summer feel so much more momentous. And especially when you're young, they feel like this, this like, like longing and promise and like everything just seems to like coalesce on summer nights in a way that they just don't the rest of the year. I don't know. Maybe it's because when you're more likely as a kid to be in scenarios over the summer that are more like uh you know you're not in school you're at camp or you're like out with your friends or you're yeah, drinking I was say that i think that yeah summer lends itself to you being undistracted by other things like uh-huh. maybe you have a job but usually whatever job you have like if you're a camp counselor or you're working at a hotel or whatever there's a cast of characters there's you know just i think you gather more regularly than you normally would you're outside. You're outside. It's hot. Yeah. You're doing fun stuff. I don't know. It's like, it's universal. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't have those days as much anymore. I'm a middle-aged mother, but like, it's, it, I still feel it. And when someone describes it, like it takes you back to those days so quickly. Like, oh yeah. yeah when, when it's just kind of like, not that there's nothing to do. Cause like I said, there are usually activities that you're involved with them somehow, but there's just like that promise of always being able to come together night after night in a way that if we were hanging out or if you live near me, I would just never see you every day. Yeah. All right. So that's my, that's my summary of the shore by Katie Rundy or Rund. Okay. So next up, I'm going to leave June 7th behind and head to June 14th when Ellen Hildebrand has a new book called the hotel Nantucket. <laughs> that's coming out on little Brown. And I know you really enjoyed one of her books, right? Yeah. I've only read one. It was some, what was it? Something summers, uh, 28 summers, 28 summers. Love that book. Love, love, love it. Just looked it up quickly. And someone was asking if there's a sequel to it. <laughs> um, hmm. Interesting um, because, well, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it would be <laughs> kind of hard to have a secret. Well, I would think if, it's, if you're meeting every summer that it would probably be covered. But anyway, well. <laughs> she, 
She has this book out called The Hotel Nantucket. And of course, it takes place on Nantucket. And Lizbeth Keaton is recovering from a bad breakup with her boyfriend. She is supposed to be like the darling, the sweetheart of Nantucket. And she just gets a new job that she's ready to throw herself into because she is recovering from this breakup. So she's named the manager, like the general manager of the Hotel Nantucket, which is like this huge gilded age looking hotel that has fallen into disrepair. So she's hoping that, you know, with the help of her staff and all of her local expertise and their charm, that she can make a go of this hotel. So she is wanting to, um, I don't know, I guess, curry the favor of the new owner. He's like this billionaire who's from London. And there's also like um, an Instagram influencer who can really put the hotel on the map that she would like to impress. Um, But of course, there's lots of drama. Um among the guests, among the staff. And it's a little bit of a haunted place just because back in 1922, there was a fire that killed a 19 year old chambermaid. And it seems like she might be haunting the place. So (laughs) talk about set in a summer setting in a hotel, you know, it has all those elements that we just talked about where staff is likely to be together. You're likely to see the same people, Um, and have drama and fall in love. And so it's all about whether she is going to be able to, you know, make a success of this hotel. Like, I'm sure she'll find some romance there too. I'd be shocked if there's like no romance in this. So Ellen Hildebrand, she's like really coming into her own now. She's got, I think she's got a book club that she does and it might be about beach books. Plus she's had a few of her books have been options um, are going to be made into series. Um, she's got like three in development with Hulu. Is one of those 28 summers? Um, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think it's the series um, Winter in Paradise is going to be something mm-hmm. that Ellen Pompeo is doing for ABC. Um, and then they mentioned the Blue Bistro, the Matchmaker, and the Identicals are being developed for Hulu. So, But I don't know, maybe. It may be in the works. It would be a great movie or series. Okay. Maybe we'll give another one of her books to try just because how much I loved 28 Summers. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't dipped in again. I know. I have some here. I just haven't. I I don't know. I had this like prejudice against her for so long where I just kind of dismissed her books as like, you know, like light beach reading. And then the premise of 28 Summers, I found like, I was like, oh my God, I got to read this book immediately. And it was so good. Yeah, her books, I mean, they do have that aspect. They're all set on Nantucket. It's all like island mm-hmm. people and families coming together where a secret is revealed or, you know, something always mm-hmm. centers on Nantucket. But they do have heft to them. Like she writes well and there usually is some kind of emotional component mm-hmm. and, you know, her characters are well written. So, yeah. Okay. She's not completely light. Yeah. Even though this one does sound particularly fluffy. But yeah. they say there's emotional depth and that there are multiple points of view. So we'll see. Okay. So my next book does kind of take a departure from these other ones. Um, this is another June 7th release called Nuclear Family by Joseph Hahn. And it is about a Korean family living in Hawaii. And they own a series of restaurants or a, a chain of restaurants. Um or they want to franchise their restaurants and things are looking good. And then their son who lives in Seoul is teaching English and he um, goes viral for 
trying to cross the Korean demilitarized zone. So now all of a sudden the family is kind of thrust into the public eye by their son's actions, you know, half a world away. And um, they now have, people are suspicious of them because like, what's their son doing? Why is he trying to get into North Korea? And um, it's set in the months leading up to, do you remember when in Hawaii, there was this false alert that went out that there was a nuclear missile on its way to Hawaii uh-huh. in 2018? Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, people didn't have to live with that misinformation that long, but it was enough obviously to affect people. Cause when you believe a missile is headed your way, you know, you obviously galvanizes you. Yeah. It kind of like freaks you out a lot. So it says set in the months leading up to the 2018 false missile alert is profoundly moving and strikingly beautiful, de- beautiful debut novel um, that aches with histories inherited and reunions missed. So, I think like you said, it's, you know, family drama, but it's kind of nice to have it be a voice that we're not always, you know, it's not like white people on Nantucket again. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't know. And the cover of this is really pretty too. It looks like a, like a painting. So um, I would like to read this. All right. So you just had your first departure from what you were talking about before. And now I am departing for a memoir. Uh, by Melissa Bond. It's called Blood Orange Night, My Journey to the Edge of Madness. And it is about this woman. I think she has just had a child. It's set during 2008. Um, So she's just lost her job as a journalist. She is a crazy insomniac. Like we're talking about one hour of sleep a night. And so she turns to her doctor for help. And of course, he he, uh, prescribes benzos for her, benzodiazepines. And I guess those are like um, Ativan, Clonopin, uh, Valium, just all of these, you know, kind of drugs that relax you or will help you to sleep. And he is prescribing them, you know, because she's having such difficulty, he's prescribing them in increasing doses. And at one point she actually falls, falls while holding her child which of course freaks her out and sends her on this long journey of trying to break her addiction to benzodiazepines. Like, and it talks about how difficult it is to do this because you can't just go cold Turkey because it causes all kinds of like crazy side effects. Um, you know, like hallucinations, psychotic breaks, things like that. So, and there really is not a lot that is supportive of breaking this type of addiction. So she's like on this journey of discovering how she can safely do this. She's like logging how many milligrams she's taking and trying to wean herself off and how much sleep is she getting and are my kids okay? So it's kind of just all about her harrowing journey to, you know, wean herself off of these like drugs that have proven dangerous to her and her family. Wow. That's heavy for a summer read. Yeah, but it just looks so interesting. I mean, you know, I guess there's just so much that goes on with how we prescribe drugs and overprescription of drugs and, and just like how that can have such an effect on your life. And, you know, I mean, getting one hour of sleep is probably enough to cause a lot of problems, but oh, yeah, for sure but the solution doesn't seem to be any better. So that is out from gallery books on June 14th. Okay. You know what I forgot to mention to you? I did the um, book blogger speed dating event on uh, Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was good. Um, 
the, yeah, obviously it's moved online and you don't, I, I really miss the days of sitting at the tables and eyeing all the books and trying to like surreptitiously take them before we were allowed to okay. take them. So I didn't look greedy. And then you and I would like cruise the leftovers, <laughs> all the other tables. Oh, I miss those days so much, but anyway, it was fun. Okay. So my next book is by June Chen. It's called Counterfeit and it comes out on June 7th as well. I'm sorry. I don't know why I wrote June Chen. It's um, Kirsten Chen. I think I confused that with the date it was coming out. Kirsten Chen. Sorry about that. And it is about a woman, a Chinese American woman living in, I think New York. Actually, I'm not sure where she lives, lives in the U.S., and she's got, she's married to a doctor and she has a kid and beautiful house, et cetera. I guess beautiful house means probably not New York city. And <laughs> her life looks perfect from the outside, but inside it's not because her marriage isn't going well. And she's like, feels guilty that she's not using her law degree and she's like very dissatisfied. So she ends up reconnecting with um, her college roommate who moved, um, who's I think back in mainland China. And it turns out that her roommate is running a like very um, profitable counterfeit bag operation. And yeah, so um, she is importing them into the U.S. and she needs someone stateside who can help her. So Ava, that's the main character, um, Ava gets involved with her friend and into this kind of, you know, illegal bag counterfeit bag scandal or operation. So it says peering behind the curtain of the upscale designer storefronts in the Chinese factories where luxury goods are produced. Kirsten Chen interrogates the myth of the model minority through two unforgettable women determined to demand more from life. Doesn't that sound so good? That sounds good. I'm like writing her name down. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's Kirsten, not June. Um, so that's counterfeit. And this, they were talking, this book was talked about. This is what made me think of the book blogger thing. Cause it was on the, uh, speed dating. Okay. Um, William Morrow presented this one. All right. So I think I have been doing a pretty good job of getting in authors whose books I've read so far. So I've had, we've had Ellen Hildebrand. There's been Therese Ann Fowler. And now I have another, person whose books I really like, Marcy Dermansky. I have a new one coming out. Yeah, that looks good. Call Hurricane Girl. So this is, they say it's the knife edge between comedy and horror, which always makes me a little nervous Uh when comedy is mixed with something. But I think Marcy Dermansky does like a really good job of just satire and um, walking the edge of, of human situations and how they can just, you know, there's like some darkly funny bits to it. So this one is about a woman who is basically on the run from, I think she's involved with someone in Hollywood and she moves to the East coast. They say she's on the run from catastrophe. She has has savings cause she's like been waitressing and she's been doing some writing. So she, goes and she buys herself a house, a small house on the beach. And then like a hurricane hits or whatever. And her, her beach house is destroyed. And so she's kind of left at a crossroads. Um, 
dates a guy and it looks like this date goes really, really terrible. It's like, you know, did he just hit me upside the head with something? Am I going to be able to get away from my, from him and to escape and drive to my mother's house? I think he hits her upside the head with a vase and she's just kind of like, what is going on? But then she's like rescued by this surgeon and she's just not sure why she's with him. It's like, am I with him? Because, you know, he's rescued me, but he also has like this nice house and I really am enjoying that. And just all these questions that she has and just this exploration of, I don't know, love, sexual violence, violence, and freedom. And how is she navigating those aspects of her life? You know, cause it's like, she's running from one relationship has a terrible date and now is not even sure why she's involved with the man that she's with. So um, (laughs) the key question about this book is supposed to be, can you heal without revenge? So I guess she might have some scheming in place for the guy who went after her. You know, I saw that book and I think there's a few things in there that were like red flags for me, just like, (laughs) (laughs) cause I like Marcy Dermansky too. Um, Did you read bad Marie? Which one did no. you read? I read one a while ago. Um, what was that book called? Is it about twins? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's possible she had a book I about think, twins. Yeah. I think it might have been called Twins. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was called Twins. Um, and I wanted to read Very Nice. Wasn't that by her? Yeah. And I didn't read that. I think I've read all of her book except Twins and, of course, this one. So I'm well on my way to becoming a completist for her. Nice. Um, so I will I will let you know. I enjoyed Very Nice. I think Bad Marie st- still is my favorite. It's probably Bad Marie, The Red Car, then Very Nice. And Oh, The Red Car. I read that too. Okay. That's the one. But somebody's like uh, inherits a car. She drives yeah, across she country to, to drop it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did read that one. Okay. All right. So my next one, we're back in Very comfortable summer territory it's called (laughs) so happy for you by celia lasky and it comes out also on june 7th so far we have had no overlap which is i know you've had a few books that i looked at but didn't include so it's really interesting i'm glad that we've have so much variety here um okay so this one is about friends lifelong friends um one of them is gay one of them is not they've kind of seen each other through like you know, coming out, a death of a parent, all this stuff. So the straight one um, is getting married and she asks her friend to be her maid of honor. And the maid of honor is sort of reluctant because she is like an academic and she's not heterosexual. And she's just kind of like, I'm not really into these like elaborate wedding, you know, plans. And it just seems like it's going to be not fun. But then it says, as the wedding weekend approaches, a series of ominous occurrences lead her to second guess her decision, you know, to uh, her decision to agree to do it. It seems that everyone in the bridal party is out to get her. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this one is it's described as entertaining, funny and campy. And it's a send up to our collective obsession with the wedding industrial complex and also a poignant depiction of friendship. So I don't know. That looked good. Well, definitely appropriate for the summer. Yes, for sure. All right. So my next book is by someone we have both read. Carola Lovering wrote Can't Look Away. 
Uh, it's coming out on June 14th. And in this one, she starts her book off in 2013 with My- Molly Diamond, who's a barrister who also wants to be a writer. So she's an aspiring writer. She goes to a rock concert. She locks eyes with this lead singer. And Gail, tell me what this lead singer's name is. <gasps> uh, Jake. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So she meets Jake Danner, you know, like they really fall deeply in love. It's only, um, I guess that feeling is only heightened by the fact that he writes this hit love love song about her that puts um, their, the band that he's in on the map. And then we go to a decade later, Molly's no longer writing. She's living a quiet life in Connecticut with her young daughter and her perfect husband, who is decidedly, he's not Jake Danner. (laughs) So picture perfect life. You know, she has her child. She is a yoga instructor, I believe, um, living in a wealthy suburb, but she is struggling to conceive. And she's like a little bit um, bored, I guess, with her life, feels out of place. So then she meets this woman, Sabrina, who comes and takes a yoga class and she confesses that she has fertility struggles as well. And, you know, Molly feels like she's really met someone that she can bond with over this. And she's finally found a friend, but Sabrina, of course, has an ulterior motive for moving to this Connecticut town where Molly is and becoming her friend. And as Sabrina's secrets come out, her connection to Molly becomes much clearer. And Molly has some secrets that she would prefer not to be out there. So the backdrop of all of this is that Jake, there's a new version of Jake's song on the radio, which is causing, of course, Molly to think about her life now and, you know, just how her life has turned out to be completely differently than she thought it might in the summer of 2013. And, you know, all these questions of how you choose your life with your head or with your heart and, you know, if she's ever really gotten over him. So it seems like another Corolla lovering novel, which is going to be like packed full of secrets. She loves this, um, this theme of someone coming back from your past or someone coming into your life and you not knowing that they're about to blow your life apart. Mm. And I'm looking forward to it. I really liked uh, Too Good to Be True. Yeah, that was so good. So I'm really looking forward to this. She has like, um, I read her other book. Tell Me Lies. Tell me lies, and I don't know. It's like eh. she got so deeply into the head of of someone who was just a complete, just someone who was completely inappropriate that you wouldn't want someone with who's just like playing with your emotions. And it it was so, I just felt like it was so long. It was like hard to be in that headspace and see someone struggle with someone that they should clearly stay away from. Yeah. I think um, Too Good to Be True had more of a balance. And so I'm curious to see what she does with Can't Look Away. So I guess I will have read all of her books. Nice. Too Good to Be True was impossible to put down. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping that this will be the same, that summer read that you're just sitting there Uh and should be enjoying the beautiful weather and the wonderful day, but you're just furiously turning pages. Yeah. Okay, so my next one, I'm still in June, June 28th. This is called Delhi Weds Destiny. I don't know oh, if it's- I have, oh, we have that one in common. Okay, good. This one looks amazing. Yes. This is by Tomi Obaro. It takes place in Nigeria, 
And it is about three college friends, women who reunite in Lagos, Nigeria for the first time in 30 years because one of their daughters is getting married. So you've got flashbacks to these three women when they were in college and, you know, the way their lives were intertwined and then how their lives have turned out since then, you know, the different um, challenges they've faced with finding partners and uh, becoming mothers and where they live and their families and all of that. And so they're getting married and it, it says as the novel builds powerfully, the complexities of the mother's friendship come to bear in a riveting heartrending moment of decision. So Wedding, <laughs> summer is wedding season. That's why we've got so many weddings. I think between us, we've probably covered like four or five weddings so far. Um, but of course, it provides the perfect backdrop to bring people together and, you know, trap them in one location and force them to confront secrets and tensions and all of that. So it's there's no, it's no surprise that weddings provide such a fertile uh, setting for novels. But this one looks great. Yeah, it does. Because I mean, I think it's one of the, it can be one of the few times where people that you were really close to once you might have involved in your wedding. I really like this too, because the friendships, the friends are so different. So it's like people from different walks of life who have, you know, met in college in Lagos and just really become close. And of course they have their own like complexities in their relationships that bring to bear because it seems like something is not right about this wedding. Mm-hmm. I've had very good luck with Nigerian novels too. Right? Yeah. There's a Fumi in this one too. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So how many do you have left? Um, I mean, I have several left. I've, I'm now at July, so I could, I've got like at least four or five from July, but I can cut it off or I can skip or whatever you'd like. I think that we should do a part two. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Because I think that there's so many, like I have, I haven't even touched July and I have like three more that I want to talk about from June. So maybe I will just really quickly um, mention the names of some of these because I just feel like there's one that I really want to read called The Long Answer by Anna Hoagland. Um, it's about this woman who's 12 weeks pregnant and she's really close with her sister, has a conversation with her sister and discovers that her sister has had a miscarriage and like that puts the strain on their relationship. Mm. And it talks about how she goes on to also have complications with her pregnancy. And she runs into different women who share stories about either the children they've wanted, the children they've lost. And um, is that fiction or nonfiction? It's fiction. Okay. But it does sound like it could be so real, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's like a really interesting sister dynamic to have two sisters who were pregnant at the same time. And then one has a miscarriage and, and, you know, one is having complications. So that's the long answer that's out on June 21st. Did you have any more June books? Um, I just had two that I can mention briefly because I think I've talked about them on the show already. So, yeah. Well, the ones that I have is Tracy Flick Can't Win, which I've talked about multiple times. That's Tom Parada's um, sequel to Election. And that also comes out on June 7th. And then um, I had just wanted to mention uh, the new book coming out by Linda Holmes called Flying Solo. I can't remember if I've talked about that on the show so far. This is by the woman who wrote Every Every Drake Starts Over, which is a book I adored. And this one is about a woman who calls off her wedding and moves back to Maine, which is where 
uh, Evie Drake was set. And, you know, this is such a typical construct, the same as 28 Summers. She's like gifted a house or left a house by her, an aunt. And so she moves to her aunt's house. Uh, or I don't know if she's gifted it, but she ends up moving to her aunt's house in Maine. And it's kind of all about her sort of recovering and rebuilding her life after this, you know, broken engagement. And that's all I have for June. Okay, so I'm rounding out my June books with Geraldine Brooks' new one, historical fiction about this painting of a horse that it's going to span several generations about this racehorse and how um, there was an enslaved rider who was crucial to this racehorse's success. Um, There was an artist at that time who painted it. I think the painting is found in modern times in an attic. So it's all about like this research on the story. I love her historical fiction. Um, I first came to know about her when I read March, which is basically the deconstruction of the father in Little Women. Mm. He was quite a character. And I think that book might have won a Pulitzer. It was really good. Um, I also have The Catch that's out June 21st from Random House. Um, It's by Allison Fairbrother and it's set in Washington, D.C., Yale. That book looks really good. Okay. It's about this woman who she's two years out of college. She's dating. She has an older lover. She has her dream job in journalism. She has a smart circle of friends. So she basically has it all. But then her father dies and he leaves her a gift, which is described as insulting instead of the prized baseball that she wanted from him, you know, because they have like this shared history around this baseball. She's just shocked when he doesn't leave it to her and he leaves it to someone who she doesn't even know. So she goes on this journey to like discover, you know, why her father would have done that. Like who is her father? She discovers secrets about him and she also discovers some things about herself and I guess how far she's willing to go to get to the bottom of this story. Yep. Um, yeah, so DC story for you. Mm-hmm. And I think my last June one was the one Delhi Wed's Destiny. So, okay, so we covered it. So we have covered it, and we will be back with July and <laughs> August. Yeah, it's just too so much. That this we summer. don't have a two hour show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I know we've got very full TBRs for the next month or two. I'm so looking forward to all these books. I know. I feel like I will get my reading mojo back and I'm just hoping that this summer is, I don't know if last summer was rain. I don't know what it was about last summer that wasn't just, you know, we were hoping for this summer where there were vaccines for COVID and things would be a little bit easier, but I don't know. Was it hot hot girl summer or something? (laughs) Hot back summer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Didn't quite happen. Um, Yeah. Hoping for a better summer. Yeah. Although I will say that like everyone I know in the world has COVID right now. So yeah, Yeah, we're definitely going through that again. I think I'm not in the middle of it because I'm not in New York right now, but from what I hear from work and from friends, it's just like, Oh yeah, they tested positive and whatever. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.